You're listening to the podcast of Village Church in Burbank, California. To learn more about Village Church, visit our website at villagechurchburbank.org. We hope you enjoy today's message. The title of the sermon this weekend is simply The True You. We're talking about your true self in Christ, your true identity as opposed to your false self. The false self that the world and the culture and the environment around you wants to hand you. So we're talking about the true you, and and we're actually in a moment going to look at a passage in Colossians 3. We've been in Colossians here in the fall, kind of talking about discipling our minds and We're looking at a passage I referenced a few weekends ago when I preached that message called Here Comes the Sun. Um, But as we use this same passage as our text today, I'm going to take it in a very different direction. And just before we read it, one of the things I want to draw your attention to as we enter into the text, I just want you to notice how provocative it is, the way that Paul speaks. He speaks of you and I, if if we're in Christ, he speaks of us as being entangled with Christ. So much so that what happens to us happens to him. What happens to him happens to us. And so Paul, you'll see it in a moment. He says, when Christ died 2,000 years ago and went into the grave, Christ took the old you into the grave with him. That old self, that false self, that jealous self, that petty self, the self-centered self, the hateful, bitter self, that old you, that false self, Christ took that into the grave And it's dead and gone. 2,000 years ago, he puts it in the past tense. The flip side, he says, is that when Christ was raised from the grave, you were raised with him. That's the true you. Your true identity now. The true self that will go on for all of eternity. That that was raised with Christ 2,000 years ago. Past tense. And so it's very interesting. I think what, what he wants us to know is that you and I are not trying to become some, we're not trying to um, work our way into a new identity. Paul's saying, no, this is who you are. You are this right now. You're just trying to get everything to line up with your true identity. But it's, it's a cart before the horse kind of thing. You are who Christ says you are right now. You, the old you's gone, the new you has been raised to life. And so Paul's point is, since that's the case, now let's start embracing that and walking in it. I just think that's such a gracious word and such, such a life-giving, liberating word. I'm not trying to become something else. I'm trying to become who I really am. And the Holy Spirit's going to help us to do that. Amen. So let's look at our passage. And, and, uh, and there's a particular word here that we're really going to center on tonight. He says, Since then you have been raised with Christ... Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, the old you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That's the word we're going to look at, the word hidden. And then finally, verse 4, here's the promise. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Let's pause for a moment. I want us to pray. And, and then we'll jump into it. Thank you, Lord, for your kindness and your goodness to us. Too often we overlook it. 
we take it for granted. Yet we are recipients of the greatest kindness imaginable. The most mind-boggling mercy and grace that can ever be received. We are, we are recipients. We are beneficiaries. So we say thank you. Thank you for just condescending to even be with us in this room right now. Thank you, Lord. Hey, thank you, Jesus. I'm so glad to be in your presence. And Lord, as we break open the scriptures, and as we make room for the Holy Spirit to speak to each one of us, may your word be planted into the soil of our hearts. Sprout and bear fruit. Take root and bear fruit for your eternal kingdom. Open our eyes, open our hearts to receive what you have us to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. So the word I want to key in on, it's, it's the word that I, I italicized in verse 3. It's the word hidden. Paul says, your life is now hidden with Christ and God. The Greek word for hidden there is the word crypto. It's where we get words like cryptic, cryptogram, encrypted. If you, um, you know, want to send an email to someone, but you don't want malicious third parties to have access to it. I don't know how it works, but there's a way where, where you can encrypt that email to ensure that no prying eyes will see it other than the person you intend to receive it. You can encrypt the message, and when you encrypt it, it secures it, it protects it, and it conceals it and obscures it. And see, each of those words I just mentioned are shades of meaning of this word crypto in this verse. What Paul is saying is that your true identity, the true you, is entangled with Christ, and it's hidden. It's hidden in the sense that, yes, it's protected and it's secured so that no one can touch it, but it's also hidden in the sense that it's concealed and it's obscure. And even you and I ourselves, we don't always see it clearly. We don't always, in other words, properly perceive who we actually are in Christ. We're not always cognizant of our true identity that Christ has given us. There's all kinds of things that can obstruct our view of that. And yet the promise at the end of this passage, Paul says, is that when Christ, who is your life, appears, so also you, the true you, will appear with him in glory. That word appear in the Greek, it has the sense of an unveiling something being revealed. So he's saying, even though your true self, the true you in Christ, you don't always see it, and it's, it, it escapes sometimes your recognition, there's going to come a point, Paul says, when there's going to be this great unveiling, and the true you, your true identity in Christ, it's going to come out of hiding, and it's going to be revealed to all the world, perfectly and completely. So if that's true, and this is the direction I, I feel led to take this sermon tonight, if this is true, that your true identity is entangled with Christ and hidden with Christ in God, then we got to be very careful that we don't judge ourselves or judge things based on how they appear right now. The typical mode of thinking is we tend to think that the character you display right now, the things that you say right now, the things that you do, that defines you. That's, that's who you truly are. And so when we apply that to ourselves as believers, we look at ourselves and we say, you know what, I, 
I've made a profession to follow Jesus and, and I belong to Christ, but I look at my life and I fall short so much. Man, I just don't, I don't always live the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus talks about loving your enemies and praying for your persecutors and being indiscriminate with, with your love towards people, I, I struggle with that. I, I, you know, I have a hard time loving each and every person consistently. Am I the only one here that maybe struggles with that? So we look at ourselves and we, we sometimes get on these, these shame trips. And we, we, we measure ourselves with, with the vision that Christ has in the scripture. And we see that we just don't quite live up to that. And sometimes we just pound ourselves with shame. Or sometimes it comes at the hands of other people. You know, maybe you had an authority figure in your life, a parent, a grandparent, a pastor, or maybe not, maybe not here at Village Church, not a pastor, but uh, maybe a pastor on the radio, you know, and because uh, I know you didn't get this kind of preaching at, at, at this church, but, but you, you may have had somebody in your life who just pounded you with shame. You're not good enough. Or, or maybe you had a parent who would just pound you. You're, you're useless. You're worthless. You'll never amount to anything. And you took all of this and, you, and, and it's like a false self that was created that you absorbed. And so we start judging ourselves based on how things appear. And if, if what Paul's saying here is true, that no, your true identity in Christ is secured, it's hidden with Christ, and it's concealed, and we don't always see it and perceive it correctly, then judging ourselves based on how things appear right now is precisely what we cannot do. Because appearances don't always tell the whole story. Let me give you a few concrete illustrations that will help you to wrap your mind around what I'm saying. I'm going to show you a series of images on the screen. This first one, obviously, is an acorn. And uh, boy, I tell you, over the last month and a half or so, I've had thousands of these in my backyard. It's like stepping on Legos. But this acorn that you're looking at you would never guess it if you didn't already know what happens to an acorn. But you would never guess that one day this acorn will turn into this and become what you see here, a beautiful, firm oak tree. You would never guess it if you didn't already know because they look nothing alike. But everything that makes this oak tree an oak tree is contained within that acorn. You just can't tell because it doesn't appear that way. Appearances are deceiving. Here's another picture. This one isn't quite as obvious. This is a zygote. This is a brand new, newly fertilized human being. This is what I looked like 41 years ago. And however old you are, this is what you looked like. And when you look at this, you would never guess, if you didn't already know, you would never guess that this would turn into this, a human child. And this is little Carson. I'm going to embarrass him tomorrow. Uh, this is Carson. He was like, I don't know, three or four years old. Now, you would never guess because they, the two of them don't look anything like one another. But everything that makes that child a child is contained within that zygote. It's just that you can't tell. You can't judge the nature of something based on how things appear right now. One more example. This is a larvae. I don't know what it is. I've always hated these things. They just send a shiver down my spine. But if you didn't already know what happens to this little creature, you would never guess that what you're looking at right now would one day become a beautiful monarch butterfly because they really don't look anything like one another. 
But everything that makes that butterfly what it is is found within that larvae. Appearances are deceiving. And so also with you and I. Our true self is obscure, it's, it's cryptic, it's hidden in this vault in heaven with God. And so our true self is, yes, it's secured and it's protected, but it's also obscure for a lot of other reasons. It's, for example, it's hidden underneath all of the lies that we've ever believed. Our true self is hidden underneath all of the bad decisions and unhealthy thinking patterns that we've embraced throughout our lives. Our true identity is buried underneath all of the wounds and the scars that life has inflicted upon you, often at the hands of other people, things that people have done to you, things that people have said to you, things that people have spoken over you. You're useless. You're no good. You're worthless. You'll never amount to anything. And, and what happens is those messages accumulate throughout our lives and, and our, our, our spirit takes a hold of all of that garbage and makes conclusions about who we are and we embrace it and we believe a false self, a, a picture of a false identity of who we are. And it, even for followers of Jesus, to some degree, it cripples our ability to walk in Christ. Because we have a false image of ourselves. Every thought that you ever think, every feeling that you ever feel, every action you ever engage in that doesn't look like Jesus conceals our true self, our true identity. Like right now, I'm looking at all of you in this church building right now. And I got to say, um, you're a good looking group of people. You really are. You, you're just marvelous. You're a good looking bunch of people. Some of you more so than others, obviously, but. So you're good looking, but I got to also tell you, you don't really look glorious. And I don't, I don't really look glorious. And you may not feel so glorious right now. I know I don't feel so glorious either. But you know what? Someday we will, and it's going to be true, and it's going to be clear, and it's going to be obvious. And right now, looking at you and I, it may not always look and feel like we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above all powers and principalities. It doesn't always look and feel like that, but you know what? It's true right now and someday, what Paul's saying, it's going to be clear and obvious and unmistakable. And right now, looking at yourself, you may not always feel like you have the holiness of Christ. You may not necessarily feel like right now you have the righteousness of Christ. You may not feel like your life displays anything of the beauty of Christ. You may not always feel like you've got the power of God flowing through, the, through you, the very Spirit of God dwelling in you. You may not always feel like you are enveloped in the peaceful presence of God. But you know what? All of those things are true right now. It's just that it's hidden, it's obscure, it's buried underneath all of the garbage that we've inherited from the world. But someday, as Paul says, that's all going to be burnt away, praise God. And there's going to be a great unveiling where the true Christ and the true us is going to be completely revealed. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to be marvelous. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be mind-bogglingly beautiful. C.S. Lewis, in his, uh, in his book, The Weight of Glory, he writes this, and I'm just paraphrasing it because I don't have the quote in front of me. So I'm really being, I'm taking some liberties and when I, when I paraphrase it, but here's the point that he essentially makes. 
<clears throat> he says, um, he says the most, he says the dullest, most uninteresting person that you can think of right now, and if they're in the room, don't point to them, but, but the dullest, most uninteresting person that you can think of, Lewis says, be careful how you talk to that person and how you interact with them, because you may be talking to someone right now who one day, when the kingdom comes in its fullness and everything's unveiled, you may be talking to someone who one day will become a creature so beautiful that if you could just catch a glimpse right now, you would be tempted to worship it. Now, maybe he's hyperbolizing there a little bit, but I think absolutely that the point is true. When you walked into this room this evening and we started looking at one another and greeting one another and shaking hands, just, just understand every person that you greeted, every person you look in the eyes, you're looking at the acorn version of them. You're looking at the zygote self. You're looking at the larvae version. I'm, like right now, I'm just looking at all of you. You just look like a bunch of larvae right now. But someday when the truth is uncovered, when the kingdom comes in its fullness and we will be, our true identity in Christ will be completely unveiled, we're going to look at one another with tears in our eyes, with our jaws to the floor saying, that's who you are? Wow, I had no idea. I mean, I saw glimpses of it, but you look stunning. You look beautiful. You look marvelous. And it's not going to be a prideful thing. It's about participating in Christ. Whatever beauty I exude with my life, whatever beauty you exude, it's all a reflection of the beauty that Christ is. But I just think we're going to be overwhelmed with the beauty of folks when we see them. As all of that petty stuff, that sinful stuff, that jealous stuff, all of that's burned away. And we're going to see the true monarch butterfly. The true oak tree. The true human child. And it's, it's going to be mind-boggling. I want to look at one more passage with you in 1 John chapter 3. In fact, I, I'm, I included in your worship folder, I included all three verses. But actually, I just want to focus on the first half of verse 1 with you. And you can read the other parts later. But just look at the first sentence. And Holy Spirit, help us to see the beauty of what John's saying. He says, see what great love. Just pause there. See what great love. He doesn't say just see what love. See what great love. This is the love that was revealed on Calvary. When God went to the furthest extreme imaginable, even to the point of becoming our sin, becoming our curse, in order to liberate us. John says, this isn't just love. This is a great love. This is a love without limits, a love without barriers, a love without parameters, a love without qualifications and conditions. It's an unwavering, unimprovable, unsurpassable love. See what great love, he continues, see what great love the Father has, say it, lavished on us. In other words, he didn't give you just a few crumbs. He didn't just sprinkle a little bit. He has lavished his love on you. He has poured it out. He has deluged you with his love. You are drowning, swimming in the love of God right now. That we should be called, John says, children of God. When God lavishes and pours out and baptizes you in his are made children of God. We're not children of God because we were born into it. 
We're not children of God because we achieved it or because we have a right to it like God owes us something. We are children of God because while we, every one of us, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were lost, Christ went out and rescued us. Like the good shepherd relentlessly pursuing his lost sheep. We're children of God because of God's magnificent, beautiful, unfathomable grace. He has lavished his love upon us, and then he calls us his children, John says. He looks at you and he says, you're a child of mine. And, and, and John actually doubles down. Look at the very next sentence. He says, and that is what we are. John's saying, it's not that he's pretending you're his child. It's not like God's saying, okay, you're not really my child, but I'm just going to like tell myself to see you as one of my children. You know, sometimes I hear people say things, they, they pass off ideas like that. I've heard people like throughout my life say things like, you know, when God looks at you, he looks at you through Jesus' spectacles so that he can't see your sin. You know, as if the father has bad eyesight or something, as if he's just pretending that you're his child. Listen, when God says you're his child, you are his child because God's word creates reality. When God said, let there be light, boom, there was light. When God said, let there be land, boom, there was land. When God said, let there be sky, boom, there was sky. God's word creates reality. And so also when God says, let Ryan Post be a child of God, Ryan Post is a child of God. When God says, let Ryan Post be holy, Ryan Post is holy. When God says, let Ryan Post be righteous, boom, I have the righteousness of Christ. When God says, let Ryan Post be full and inundated with my love, I am full and inundated with his love. God's word creates reality. When you look up at me right now on this platform, you are just seeing the acorn Ryan Post, the zygote Ryan Post, the larvae Ryan Post. But God speaks the true Ryan Post into existence. And if you disagree with that, take it up with God. You know, feel free, knock yourself out. But if God before me, who can be against me? It's God who justifies. Who can lay any charge against God's elect? Praise, praise God. So what God says is true. And when you submit your life to Jesus, you are now, behold, a new creature Old things are passed away. All things become new. You now have a new identity and a new destiny in Jesus Christ. And that's true right now. Now it's concealed. It's hidden. It's obscure. We don't always see it clearly. And we don't always live into that identity. I guarantee you, I'm a pastor. Hang around me long enough. You're going to see I'm still the acorn version. I, I, I got a long way to go. I, I got, I'm a work in progress but it doesn't change the reality of the situation. You can't judge who I am based on how things appear right now. And I can't judge you based on how things appear right now. I can't even judge myself based on how things appear right here and right now. So fight that, um, fight that worldly carnal way of thinking where we, we draw conclusions about who we are based on how things appear right now in our lives we got to fight against that, that tendency to do that. Paul says it like this. Don't put your mind on earthly things. Set your mind on things above where your life is hidden with Christ, 
where your identity is entangled with Christ, where you are right now seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above all powers and principalities. You may not feel that way right now, but this is what is true. Set your mind, and if you can fix your mind on that, the more we can set our mind on that, it manifests itself in our life, and more and more gradually we become who we really are in Christ. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. Daniel, would you come to the platform? The rest of the band will come in a second. I guarantee you that little acorn could never dream that it would one day become a mighty oak tree. That little acorn, so tiny, so vulnerable, you know, squirrels eat those things. That acorn could never dream that it would one day become this huge, powerful oak tree that just stands firm, unbending, in, in, the, in the Sierra winds. Is that what you call them? Santa, Santa Ana, sorry. I'm still new here. Um, it would never dream it would be an oak tree like that, that instead of being eaten by squirrels, it would one day provide a home for squirrels. And so right now, every one of us, we have to understand we are all right now our acorn version of ourselves. You're the acorn version. And sometimes, man, we struggle. We struggle with sin. We struggle with unhealthy thought patterns. We don't always think right. <laughs> Somebody cuts us off on the five, we don't always think the right thoughts. That knucklehead coworker of yours, we don't always relate to them the right way. We don't always treat, we don't have, always have the right attitude. We struggle with this stuff. We struggle with addictions and bondages and, and serious things. We are the acorn version of ourselves. And if this life were all there was, then we can conclude that maybe that's who I truly am. But as followers of Christ and as readers of the New Testament, we know better. We know that this life is just the first nanosecond of a journey, of an adventure that will never end, that will go all the way into eternity. And this is just the very beginning. We're just getting started in this thing right now. So don't judge yourself based on how things appear this very moment. Remember, little acorn, that you are a cryptic oak tree. And someday, as Paul says, you will manifest your true oak tree self. Someday you're going to manifest the perfect holiness of Christ. Because you have it right now, you're just an acorn that doesn't realize it yet. But someday, it's going to be completely unveiled. So don't define yourself based on how you presently are. Saying to yourself, I'm just an addict. I'm just a loser. I'm just a sinner. And this is who I am. And this is what, this is what I'll always be. No. The truest thing about you is that you're a child of God, bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ, holy and redeemed by Calvary, seated with Christ in heavenly places. This is who you are. And someday we're going to see that and experience that with perfect clarity. Thank you for listening to today's message. To learn more about Village Church, visit our website at villagechurchburbank.org.